Welcome to Cornucopia, the podcast in which we examine the shift to abundance. My name is Kareem Benamar. Let's look at scarcity and abundance during a pandemic and focus on the example of vaccines. So far, we've looked at the shift to abundance in fairly abstract terms by examining the idea of the surplus and by analysing what leads to scarcity. Now, my claim is that the shift to abundance is something that is happening at this moment in human history. And so we should be seeing this shift in all aspects of our lives. In global terms, on the level of organizations and companies, and also in our own individual lives. So let's focus on a really global issue, the current coronavirus pandemic, and more specifically, on how we are dealing with vaccines. Today is December 10th, 2021. I'm saying this so that we can place what I'm saying about vaccines in the current situation in the pandemic. I'm walking in a nature reserve here in the Netherlands, not far from where my mother grew up. It's beautiful, a winter wonderland, like walking through thousands of Christmas trees. Sometimes you can spot a wild boar. I saw some yesterday. And apparently there's also some wolves on the loose although you'd be lucky or unlucky to see them. It's cold, just above freezing, and so it has that nice crispness in the air. So, at first sight, it would seem that a pandemic presents us with lots of examples of scarcity. Of course, there was a scarcity of vaccines at the beginning because we didn't have any. But there was also a scarcity of a lot of other things a scarcity of personal protection equipment, a scarcity of tests, a scarcity of trained professionals, a scarcity of breathing machines in hospital, a scarcity of intensive care units. This new virus, which grew into a pandemic, overwhelmed our capacity to deal with it. And that's not so surprising, because scarcity in a technical sense is just our needs being so much higher than our resources. And we didn't have many resources because we weren't planning for this virus. We didn't know what it was and what it was going to do. And so our needs grew rapidly above our available resources. Especially in the case of a virus that spreads exponentially, where the number of infected people grows very rapidly, we can't build up our resources at the same speed as our needs are growing. I suppose we could think of it as a rule of thumb. When we're confronted with completely new needs, our resources won't be a match for them, and we will have a situation of scarcity, even though it will be temporary. But scarcity at this point can be terrifying, because we were running short of everything that we needed to give proper care, and we lost a lot of people because we couldn't give them the care that they needed. 
So, of course, we rapidly built up our resources. We made more protective equipment. We sped up the manufacture of oxygen machines. We reassessed intensive care units. And we started developing vaccines. And soon we went from an absolute scarcity to a relative scarcity. We had some equipment, but still not enough for everyone. Then it becomes a question of distribution. When there's not enough to go around, who will get priority access? On what criteria should we base the allocation of scarce goods? Now, there are many criteria we could consider. The highest need, the highest priority in medical terms, or those with the best chance of recovery. In reality, of course, it's often the richest buying up all the equipment, or the strongest, or the smartest, grabbing most of the resources for themselves. At the beginning of the pandemic, we saw some shameful scenes of countries outbidding each other to get protective equipment, even hijacking cargo from planes. In a situation of scarcity, we see that it is everyone for themselves. My needs and the needs of my community come first. It's a good illustration of what scarcity does to us. Scarcity leads to fear, to a deep-seated fear. And this leads to this grabbing, sometimes violent behavior. When our survival is at stake, our needs come before everyone else's. Now, you might think that this is a great example of why scarcity exists, why scarcity will keep existing, and why scarcity brings out the worst in us. Where is the shift to abundance? If you don't have the things you need in abundance, then what good is an abundance mindset? Let's continue with the story. It became clear very quickly that the way out of the pandemic was through the development of vaccines. We started developing vaccines all over the world, from the Chinese and Russian efforts in national laboratories to private companies in the West who pivoted from their current work on vaccines to deal with this new virus. Within a year, we had several candidates, the Chinese and Russian vaccines and at least two different kinds of vaccines in Europe and America, one based on a more traditional vector technology and some based on a new technology called mRNA. mRNA technology is a fascinating approach. We use code to program the shape of the virus without having to use any deactivated parts of the virus itself, and we immunize the body because it recognizes the shape of the virus. And in time, we found out that different scientific approaches yielded different results, different levels of efficacy. And we also find out that making vaccines at such a massive scale turned out to be a challenging logistical undertaking. So again, we were faced with scarcity. This time of vaccines and we had to come up with rules for allocating them and for priority criteria in administering them. 
And again, there were scenes of hoarding and putting one's own needs first. The pandemic is a global challenge, yet there wasn't much of a global response. The World Health Organization, the WHO, tried to set standards of fairness and to organize alliances to provide vaccines to countries that couldn't afford them. But overall, it was still a question of might makes right and of everyone out for themselves. At this point, you could be forgiven for thinking that I'm digging myself ever deeper into my scarcity hole here. I'm trying to convince you that there's a shift to abundance and Instead, I'm giving you an abundance of arguments for why scarcity exists. But please bear with me for just a little while longer. We'll get to abundance eventually. Now, the feelings that I have looking back at the story so far as a global citizen is first an amazing sense of pride in the scientists and the technology that delivered these vaccines and in the tireless work of researchers. It's really their finest hour. I also feel somewhat grateful to the pharmaceutical companies who managed to produce billions of vaccines, who managed to ramp up their production lines to provide vaccines at scale, and to the governments for organizing these vaccination programs. Having said that, I feel a lot less happy about our global response to the pandemic. I think we should have made much more of an effort to send vaccines to countries worldwide. This pandemic has shown us that we are not ready to tackle global problems at a global level. Our global organizations simply don't have the budget or the power to make and enforce global decisions. I think it's fair to say that scientifically and technologically, we've had fantastic results. In terms of production and economics, we've had impressive results. But in terms of global cooperation, we've had disastrous results. This is definitely an important challenge for us because all of the great crises facing us, the climate crisis, the poverty crisis, the ecological crisis, possible future pandemics, and other systemic threats to humanity. All of these are global crises. They all require a global approach. One of the things the pandemic has made abundantly clear is that we're not yet organized on a global level. Let's return to our story. We now have different vaccines developed by different consortia, and we have one type that is much more efficient than the others, for the moment at least. Now, at this point, an obvious, if perhaps naive, question is, why not share the best technology that we have to deal with this global pandemic? Why don't we take the most effective vaccine, the mRNA type, and make sure that everybody has access to it? In practice, it would mean sharing all the knowledge required 
to make that vaccine. The patents, the formula, the recipe, but also the equipment and production facilities needed. It would probably also involve enough money to help countries who can't afford to vaccinate their own populations. This sounds like a lot, but I believe we could do this if we set our minds to it, literally. We need to approach this global challenge with an abundance mindset. Let's share our human creativity, the creativity that brought us this new technology and the capacity to produce it at scale, instead of jealously guarding it, instead of hoarding it. We must let go of the idea that we can only help our own populations by denying others access to what they need. It's as much a mental shift as anything else. It's really frustrating that we can create enough vaccines, yet we're refusing to do so because we're still applying scarcity strategies. It's not just an academic point here. Using scarcity strategies in an age of abundance, when applied to vaccines during a pandemic, costs lives, a lot of lives. It's an incredibly damaging thing to do. And it's also, frankly, a stupid approach to take. We don't have to do it like this. And yet, out of fear, out of habit, on the strength of old convictions, we continue to do it in this way. So here you have my point about the shift to abundance. How would we go about doing this? Let's unpack the ways. First, the technology, the formula, the recipes, and the know-how needed in order to make the vaccine. There are two elements to this, a legal element, intellectual property, and a trade secret element, particular to private companies. Both are fascinating. Let's start with intellectual property. The mRNA vaccine was developed by two private companies, Moderna and BioNTech but they made use of knowledge that had been developed before. The Moderna vaccine is based on a patent that was developed jointly with government scientists and which the American government gave to Moderna. If this was developed with taxpayers' money, this is in effect public knowledge. Why should we not use it to serve all of humanity? I am pretty sure that the scientists involved would love nothing more than their research being used to solve a global crisis. There are several options to deal with intellectual property. You could open the patent completely, as was done with the polio vaccine. You could make a so-called patent pool, which allows other companies to use patents under certain conditions and for a certain amount of time. And governments are legally allowed to requisition patents and manufacturing capacity during a health crisis. They only need to pay what they consider to be a fair price. Any of these three options would solve our problem. 
So why is this not happening? Perhaps we shouldn't be naive. The great promise of mRNA technology is that it will lead to a whole new family of vaccines, capable of treating all kinds of diseases, including cancer. Giving away that technology is giving away a huge amount of potential future profits. The Russians and the Chinese don't have this technology now, so they would become competitors in the future. Again, this is very much a scarcity way of thinking. Why not share the fruits of human ingenuity? If other countries have access to this technology, they in turn may develop vaccines which will save us in the future. It seems massively short-sighted to me that you would stop countries from having access to technology which can help us all. Imagine if we developed a cheap and efficient technology to take carbon out of the atmosphere, which would be of great help with climate change, but we would then refuse to make it available. It would make no sense. When dealing with global problems, the only adequate response is a global response. This allows us to use the best ideas, the best production at scale, and the best distribution systems that we've come up with globally. So, scientifically, technologically, and legally, there is no impediment to using mRNA vaccines all over the world. Now, what about the commercial issues at stake? Here, we've also seen different approaches. Some companies decided to sell the vaccine at cost during the pandemic. Others negotiated different prices for different countries. We could argue how much pandemic profits companies should be allowed to make. But from an economic point of view, the current price of vaccines is not really a major issue for wealthy countries. Price is an issue, though, for middle- and low-income countries. But here again, if we could take a global economic perspective, this would be surprisingly clear and simple. We can easily afford to buy vaccines for the whole human population. Recent estimates are that it would cost $50 billion to provide vaccines for those who can't afford them. But it would also save us a trillion dollars, a thousand billion dollars, in economic revenue. A down payment of 50 to save a thousand seems like a pretty good investment. Financially, this should be a no-brainer. Again, we see the same pattern. A global problem requires a global approach. And yet we can't seem to get ourselves organized to raise $50 billion. It's always the same issues. Who will start? Who will commit? Is it real money or does it have all kinds of strings attached? How can it be spent effectively, quickly and fairly? But the amount should not be the problem. Here are some ideas for how to raise $50 billion. We could tax the pandemic profits of companies that have done really well 
at a few percent. Since they've profited so much from this pandemic, perhaps they should also be first in line to help. But we don't need to do this through taxation. Governments could just raise money, as they have done with far larger amounts to prop up their economies during the pandemic. Or perhaps we should look to ourselves and be good global citizens and crowdfund $50 billion. It's not a small amount for a crowdfunding campaign, but with celebrities tweeting and companies matching donations, we should be able to turn it into a new ice bucket challenge. So there are no practical restrictions to making the best vaccines available to everybody. No intellectual property restrictions, no legal restrictions, no commercial restrictions, and no financial restrictions. So what is holding us back? Why are we making such a terrible mess of this? Why are we squandering our amazing technological breakthroughs by refusing to share them? Our scarcity mindset is really sabotaging our creativity. These are historical times. The current pandemic is the biggest story of my lifetime. It's the biggest and most pressing challenge that we are facing at the moment. Think of what this pandemic has cost us, human lives numbering in the tens of millions, an economic cost of thousands of billions of dollars, which has set back our fight against global poverty, which has decimated whole sectors, which has shattered entrepreneurial dreams. Think of what it has cost you, the loved ones you've lost, or that you haven't been able to see, the things that you haven't been able to do, all those things that make life worthwhile, that have been taken away from us. Sometimes I think we're not aware of the historical situation that we're in, that we're not aware of the magnitude of the challenge that we're facing. This challenge requires a global response. It requires the best of what humans can bring, whether they are doctors or nurses or scientists, law enforcement, politicians, financiers, as well as all the people who've been working throughout this pandemic to keep our food production and our logistics and our economy going. As you can tell, I'm passionate about this. I think that if we mobilize the best of what humanity has to offer, we can easily deal with a challenge of this magnitude and with the coming challenges that humanity will face in the future. But it will mean letting go of some of our old habits. It will mean letting go of the fear that there's not enough. It will mean letting go of always reacting from the mindset of scarcity, always believing that it's a competition between groups, between communities, between nations, always believing that the only way we can save ourselves is by stopping others from getting what we have. 
We are living in an age of abundance. An abundance of scientists and professionals of all kind. An abundance of productive capacity. An abundance of creativity and ingenuity. And hopefully, an abundance of generosity and goodwill. Let us put these to good use. I hope that this episode has shown you that the shift to abundance is not just an abstract concern, but that it lies at the heart of our current situation and of our most important global challenges. Perhaps it has made you more hopeful about what we could do together, or it has made you curious about some of the claims I've made. Thank you for listening, and hope to see you in the next episode of Cornucopia.